0: You're listening to That Music Podcast with me, Bryson Tarbett. I'm the music educator and blogger behind That Music Teacher and ThatMusicTeacher.com. Join me as I dive into what it really means to be a music educator. I hope that you're able to find a nugget of inspiration each week as I share my favorite ways to create purposeful instruction through active music making. Along the way, you'll hear from some of my amazing colleagues as they share practical advice that you can apply to your own classrooms. So grab a coffee, sit down, and let's get started. This episode is brought to you by the free Elementary Music Newbie Guide. We all know that you can't learn it all in four years, but the sad reality is that many new music teachers don't feel prepared for the Elementary Music Classroom. In this free guide, we'll work through four of the most important things when it comes to being successful as an elementary music teacher. To grab your guide, head on over to thatmusicteacher.com slash newbie. Again, that's thatmusicteacher.com slash N-E-W-B-I-E. I'm going to be perfectly honest and say that I hadn't planned on recording this episode. But... The last week or so, a lot has happened in both my professional life and that has kind of spilled over into my personal life that has made me really think about what it means to be inclusive in the classroom. And I... I really wanted to discuss this kind of from a deep place in my heart. And I I know this isn't going to be an episode that everyone absolutely enjoys. Um, So if this isn't your type of thing, I'm not going to feel bad if you go ahead and skip this episode. But this is something that's been on my heart. And I wanted to share with you what it really means to be inclusive in the classroom. When I'm talking about inclusivity, I'm talking about making sure that each and every one of our students feels valid and feels like they have a place in our classrooms. And I think this is something that transcends music education. This isn't something specific to music educators. This isn't something that's specific to secondary educators. This is for all educators. All educators have the opportunity and the responsibility to make sure that our students feel like they feel safe and they feel like they are allowed and they are a part of the conversation in your classroom. In the summer 1990 edition of Perspectives, Choosing and Using Books for the Classroom, Rudine Sims Bishop from The Ohio State University wrote an article entitled Mirrors, Windows, and Sliding Glass Doors. In this article, Bishop writes, quote, books are sometimes windows offering views of worlds that may be real or imagined, familiar or strange. These windows are also sliding glass doors, and readers have only to walk through an imagination to become part of whatever world has been created or recreated by the author. When lighting conditions are just right, however, a window can also be a mirror. Literature transforms human experience and reflects it back to us, and in that reflection, we can see our own lives and experiences as part of the larger human experience. Reading, then... Becomes a means of self affirmation, and readers often seek their mirrors in books. While I'm definitely not the first person to use this as a way to talk about things other than literature, I think it's important for us as music teachers, especially, to think about this when it comes to the repertoire we choose or the composers that we decide to teach about. With each lesson, song, or composer that we bring into our classrooms, we have the opportunity to allow our students to look into a life that is different from their own, but also to see a life that is similar to their own. And I think it's important for us as educators in general, and especially as music educators, to make sure that our students' identities in whatever facet that might mean are being reflected in what we choose. But I think it's also just as important for those students that have differing identities in, again, whatever way that word means, to see that there's differences out in the world, that there are students that have different life experiences than that they've had in their own life, and that just because it's different, doesn't make it any different. And I think it's important for us as educators to think about that when we're choosing what is going to happen in our classroom. Anne Molesky often says, when you choose to include something in your classroom, you're choosing to exclude something else. And I think that this is a wonderful thing to think about because we can't teach everything. We can't do every song. We can't do every game. We can't teach about every composer. We just don't have the time. So what are we using as a way to decide what we do choose and what we do choose to exclude? I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I have all the answers or that I don't make mistakes or that I'm including everything in a way that allows all of my students to feel valid 100% of the time. But I'm trying my best to work towards that goal because it's important. Our students deserve to feel safe, valid, and heard in our classrooms. And that can mean so many different things, whether it be a student's cultural identity, their gender identity, or sexual orientation, their socioeconomic status, there are so many parts of our lives and our students' lives that come into making whatever their identity is. And I think we hear identity often as gender identity, but I think that's only part of it. We as individuals have an identity, whether it be what we like, what we dislike, the experiences that we've had, the experiences we've had, the experiences we hope to have someday. And just because they're different doesn't make them wrong. So what does this mean for music educators? Oftentimes it could be as simple as understanding that you have an implicit bias and taking the step to seek out repertoire that validates your students' lives and their experiences and their hopes and their dreams. It could be finding composers that are women or women of color to help those students with that identity feel valid, feel like they're part of the conversation and that you know they're seen in your classroom. It could be as simple as making your ally status known for those students that might be you know questioning their sexuality or their gender identity. It doesn't have to be anything huge. It could just, you know, having a mug on your desk that kind of affirms who they are as a person. You don't have to make it the theme of your lesson, but for those students when they see that, that'll mean a lot for them. And sometimes it's challenging the system. It's important for us as educators to remember that whether we like it or not, we're agents of change. We can either choose to sit by and let the systems that are around us stay the way they are, or we can make some people uncomfortable and advocate for change that needs to happen. We can advocate for the change that allows our students to feel safe, heard, and understood in our classrooms. This isn't going to be easy. It's going to get messy sometimes. But I think it's important for us as educators, not as music educators, but just as educators to realize that there's so much more than content. There's so much more that is important for us as educators other than just teaching what we teach. And for me, my biggest soapbox is making sure that every single student on my roster feels like they have a place in my classroom. I want them to feel safe, understood, validated, and part of the conversation in my classroom each and every day. If you found this episode helpful at all, I would really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Not only does this help me understand what you find most helpful, it also helps more music educators just like you find the podcast. To check out the show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned, head on over to thatmusicteacher.com slash show notes.